1: I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo! Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog?
0: I don't know. This just me too. am so... In this episode of A Walk in the Park Podcast... Babs, Riss, and MB talk about RBG's potential replacement on the United States Supreme Court. They, of course, talk about tennis, this time a bit local as well as professional. The upcoming presidential debate is pondered, and other topics such as voting and the September 25th episode of Bill Maher's show are also discussed. Please listen and enjoy. This is Babs, and I'm starting this podcast a little early. In order to share some information with you the listeners about supreme court justice nominee amy vivian coney barrett and yes it does hurt just a little to know that her middle name is vivian anywho according to wikipedia amy vivian coney barrett born january 28 1972 is an American lawyer, jurist, and academic who serves as a circuit judge on the US Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. Barrett's scholarship focuses on originalism. Here is what Wikipedia has to say about originalism. In the context of United States law, originalism is a concept regarding the interpretation of the Constitution that asserts that all statements in the Constitution must be interpreted based on the original understanding of the author's or the people at the time it was ratified. This concept views the Constitution as stable from the time of enactment, and that the meaning of its contents can be changed only by the steps set out in Article V. This notion stands in contrast to the concept of the living Constitution, which asserts that the Constitution should be interpreted based on the context of the current times, even if such interpretation is different from the original interpretations of the document. The original meaning theory, which is closely related to textualism, is the view that interpretation of a written constitution or law should be based on what reasonable persons living at the time of its adoption would have understood the ordinary meaning of the text to be. Most originalists, such as Antonin Scalia, are associated with this view. Back to Barrett. Barrett was nominated to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals by President Donald Trump on May 8, 2017, and confirmed by the Senate on October 31, 2017. While serving on the federal bench, she was a professor of law at Notre Dame University Law School, where she has taught civil procedure, constitutional law, and statutory interpretation. Eleven months after her confirmation to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in 2017, Barrett was added to President Trump's list of potential Supreme Court nominees. She was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. She's the eldest of seven children with five sisters and a brother. Her father, Michael Coney, worked as an attorney for Shell Oil Company, and her mother, Linda, was a homemaker. She grew up in Mater, a suburb of New Orleans, and graduated from St. Mary's Dominican High School in 1990. Barrett studied English literature at Rhodes College. She graduated magna cum laude in 1994 with a Bachelor of Arts and was inducted into Phi Beta Kappa, She then studied law at Notre Dame Law School on a full tuition scholarship. She was an executive editor of the Notre Dame Law Review and graduated first in her class in 1997 with the Juris Doctor Summa Cum Laude. After law school, Barrett spent two years as a judicial law clerk, first for Judge Lawrence Silberman of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit from 1997 to 1998, then for Justice Antonin Scalia of the U.S. Supreme Court from 1998 to 1999. From 1999 to 2002, she practiced law at Miller, Cassidy, LaRocca, and Lewin in Washington, D.C. Barrett served as a visiting associate professor and John M. Olin Fellow in law at George Washington University Law School for a year before returning to her alma mater, Notre Dame Law School in 2002. I apologize for my switching pronunciations of that school's name. At Notre Dame, she taught federal courts, constitutional law, and statutory interpretation, Barrett was named a professor of law in 2010, and from 2014 to 2017, held the Diane and M.O. Miller Research Chair of Law. Her scholarship focuses on constitutional law, originalism, statutory interpretation, and stare decisis. Her academic work has been published in journals such as the Columbia, Cornell, Virginia, Notre Dame, and Texas Law Reviews. Barrett considers herself an originalist. She is a constitutional scholar with an expertise in statutory interpretation, Reuters described Barrett as, quote, a favorite among religious conservatives, end quote, and said that she has supported expansive gun rights and voted in favor of the Trump administration's anti-immigration policies. Since 1999, Barrett has been married to fellow Notre Dame law graduate, Jesse M. Barrett. They live in South Bend and have seven children ranging in age from eight to 19. Two of the Barrett children are adopted from Haiti. Their youngest biological child has special needs. was diagnosed with Down syndrome during a prenatal screening. She's a practicing Catholic and an active member of a small tightly knit charismatic Christian group called People of Praise. Okay, there you go. I guess I have some people in the waiting room now so I'll have to go let them in, my participants. But where, oh, where are they? Let's see. Hi, MB. How's it
2: going? Good.
0: I'm just sharing some information about uh, Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Vivian Coney Barrett. Did you hear he announced her today? Yeah. I know. I've, I've done a little research on her because of course I'm a little Concerned, so that's why you can't see me because I'm off doing research. Um, I did come across one article written by somebody who knows her and published in today's Washington Post, at least the online edition, titled I've Known Amy Coney Barrett for 15 Years Liberals Have Nothing to Fear, by O. Carter Schneed, who is a professor of law at the University of Notre Dame and author of the forthcoming book what it means to be human, the case for the body and public bioethics.
2: Interesting.
0: I know. He says, um, he can assure worried liberals that there is nothing about the prospect of a Justice Barrett that should cause them to fear. She has an incandescent mind that has won the admiration of colleagues across the ideological spectrum. Even more reassuring to Barrett skeptics should be her remarkable humility There are plenty of smart people in elite academia and on the federal bench, but few with Barrett's generosity of spirit. She genuinely seeks to understand others' arguments and does not regard them as mere obstacles to be overcome on the way to reaching a preferred conclusion. Time and again, I have seen her gently reframe a colleague's arguments to make them stronger, even when she disagreed with them. And she is not afraid to change her own mind in the search for truth, as I have seen in several of our faculty seminars. There is no reason to fear Barrett's faith. To the contrary, her commitment to treating others with respect grows directly out of her religious convictions. There is, of course, no way to know in advance how a Justice Barrett would rule on hot button cases. What is clear is that she would carefully analyze each case on its merits, respectful of the stakes for both the rule of law and the stability of our polity, doing her level best to get the question right, regardless of her own personal views. I don't know. Should that, should that make us feel more comforted? I don't know. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm trying not to be completely reactionary against her specifically, but, um, you know, obviously I'm upset that Justice Ginsburg died. And um, I'm... Apoplectic almost about the hypocrisy of the Republicans in the Senate, most specifically, of course, Mitch O'Connell, because as we talked about last time, you know, when Antonin Scalia died in February of 2016, they refused to hold any hearing on, hearings on Barack Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland, saying it was an election year and it was too close to the election and we should wait until after November for the people to decide. And here, Justice Ginsburg dies in September. We have a presidential election less than two months away, and they say, "Oh no, it's okay now." Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. So that bothers me. So whoever was nominated was not going to be in my favor, anyway. Um, so, yeah. I don't don't know what to say about that. All right, here. Let me see if I can pause so we can help Marissa with her technical difficulties. Anyway, welcome to Marissa MB and I. We're just uh, chit chatting about Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett, who's yeah, middle name. I,
1: I just have to do some on her, but. Uh... I don't know. I don't. I don't. I know very uh, high level stuff outside of that.
0: Well, if you listen to this podcast episode after I produce it, you will hear the five minutes of Amy Vivian Coney Barrett information that I shared with Michael.
2: I'm oh, not going okay. to repeat
0: it for our listeners. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I can't take it. I was going to say this information has ruined my weekend, just like Justice Ginsburg's death ruined my last weekend. So. Oh.
1: No, my thought is, just because she's nominated doesn't mean anything will
0: happen. Well, I think it does, because they seem very adamant.
1: You think all the Republicans are okay with this? I mean...
0: Well, we don't need, we need a few of them. I'm trying to look very, um, you know, with my background now. (laughs) Um... I need to do that. We need, a few, we need a few senators, Republican senators, yes, who will step up and acknowledge the hypocrisy of trying to shove a Supreme Court justice nominee through in record time ahead of the November election. To
1: be, to be exact, because I know two are against it, and I thought Ted Cruz was against it, too.
0: Well, we have to see what they'll actually do about it. I did hear the senator from Maine and the senator from Alaska, like a little, maybe last week, claimed right. they were. Right. But so we'll see. And of course, as many people have pointed out, it's like, what's your hurry? Are you afraid you're going to (laughs) lose? Right. Right. Because you could wait. And, you know, if you're reelected, then nobody would have an issue with it, right? It'd be like, okay, well, you're, you know, you're the incumbent president and you've been reelected. So, sure, go ahead. Fill your Supreme Court spot. So. Yeah, and I don't know if I've ever shared with you, too, but the thing that irritates me most in this entire world is hypocrisy. I can't stand it. There is a circle of hell for hypocrites, and I choose to believe that hell still exists, if only just for the hypocrites. Okay. I'm all right I'm with that. i my flame, right? See? To reinforce my point, yeah, I'm going off the deep end here, people. What else do you have for me? Walk me back from the ledge.
1: Uh, I watched your husband play some tennis this morning, if you care.
0: Yes, yes, I did. I did see that. He said he played well.
1: I thought he did. I did not think his his partner played as well as he did, but that's my personal. Well,
0: remember, my husband's so nice, he plays down, essentially. So he played line five because oh. he'll play with the people that other people won't play with because oh. they think they're not good enough. Right. And uh, Jonathan told me his line was the only line that won. So maybe those other people should, you know, oh. get off their high horses. Jonathan doesn't care. He doesn't care where he plays. And remember, as good as he looks, the man is 58. So he's much older, probably, than most people on his A-level team.
1: That is unbelievable. God bless him.
0: God bless Jonathan.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it's always fun because, you know, when I watched that, because there, I believe that's an A-1 team. And for our listeners, that's one of the high, that's the highest level you can go in this particular league outside of being uh, a professional. Well, um, no, you
0: can be double A, which Jonathan has been a number usually where the
1: pros play, the former pros play.
0: <laughs> well, my husband, who is not a former pro, has played on a number of double A teams over the right. years. Right. But well, he's not what a I'm, pro. But-,
1: but They're what better. I'm saying, yeah. What I'm saying is that A1 is very high.
0: And yes, it so, is. so
1: <clears throat> when you're watching- But it's not the highest. Not the highest. Not in this league, anyway. So- um, Well, we're watching, and I when I made the court reservations, um, I was hesitant to make a court reservation in our neighborhood because I knew there were league matches. But my match was uh, a league match as well, so I I was fully entitled to my my court anyway. But I did tell my opponents, I said, Listen, are you all comfortable playing alongside men? Because we're better than you.
0: just um, because of their level, not because no, they're men. But no, you guys are a C level team and they're an right. A level team. So But
1: the men tend to curse a lot more, strangely enough. And they get <laughs> that's very not strange, um, I
0: believe it. <laughs> they get
1: very, very loud. So I yes. said, If you guys are comfortable with that, that's fine. Otherwise I can get us courts down the street and they were like, No, no, we're fine with that. We it's it's okay. And it was just it was cool. It was fine because I think um, all the men were playing around us. We had another uh, match next to us, a women's match, so it all worked out. But it was it was kind of funny listening to all the men scream really loud and curse. And
2: did you win?
1: Yeah, I won. I won. I won. Actually, we beat. Well, this line beat the number one team in our division. So we, nice.
0: Yeah, we did very when well. When you say this line, you mean you and your might be a
1: partner. Yeah, we play, okay. We we only got to play there. Our we this is all a makeup match from Thursday because Thursday we had rain. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we started playing our makeup matches today. So we got some more
0: tomorrow and then Monday and then Wednesday. <sighs> Sounds like the typical PIA that I know tennis to be. <laughs> bringing nothing but aggravation to my life, anyway.
2: Uh, my... Never mind. to come play
0: again. Nope.
2: <laughs> I'm so excited for the French Open.
0: I was going to say, you've got some tennis updates for us, right, MB? So the French Open starts tomorrow, correct? Yes. Yep, yep. Did you see? I, I've seen, but I haven't paid close attention. Do we know who's playing on day one? Is it anyone good? I think Coco Golf is playing on the women's side. I'm kind of no over her. You? Why? She's 15 years old. How can you be I over her?
1: I'm That's mean. That's I'm like de- saying, I'm over
0: August. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I know, I'm just kidding. I, you know what, I really hope she has a nice long career actually, because I think she, um, she has a good attitude and she's, very, she's a very strong player. Yeah,
0: it would be nice to continue to see strong American women on the WTA tour since our men suck. Agreed. I saw they were talking, the Tennis Channel had a, kind of like a Roland Garros preview. And they were talking about how John Isner is still the highest ranked American man, which is just so discouraging. Who is? John Isner. Because he's old. I mean, like. And he sucks. Well, I guess he doesn't suck that much. But um, it's discouraging. John blames Patrick McEnroe, by the way. (laughs) Because he's been in charge of developing the U.S. Men's oh. program, and he's like, we have nobody good because Patrick sucks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? Quite frankly, I have to tell you something about Patrick. He, when all that nonsense happened with Djokovic, he like really reamed Djokovic out. Like I would, I that whole entire day, and it made me mad because I'm like, listen, you need to like shut up. You have your say now. Not yeah, out. just kept going after him. And then
0: finally, Especially as John McEnroe's brother, <laughs>
1: right? I know. And then you have like, because I mean, like, as if that never happened to anybody else, like, whatever. Right. But what bothered me, what got me, was that John Jim Courier uh, had something to say about Patrick's poor attitude, and I'm glad because Patrick made it sound like this would ruin Djokovic's career, and I, Jim was like, uh, "Yeah, no, that's." not possible he'll
0: come back (laughs) and he'll be fine (laughs) yeah yeah uh, well anywho we had some interesting news as I'm sure perhaps you know leading into um the French Open is was the Italian Open the yes you know and which Djokovic won yes and Nadal didn't even make it to the finals. so of course now that Diego Schwartzman beat him And so now people are concerned, you know, how is Nadal going to react? Have either of you heard any of that kind of assessment?
1: No, I haven't It's been pretty quiet. I usually get updates on anything these
0: players have to say, but Nadal's been quiet. What about you, MB? Have you seen any of the talk about concern over Nadal's 13th French
2: Open? No.
0: I know. It's hard to say. What they've been saying is – Normally, you know, he has a lot more tournaments on clay. And of course, the French Open is now at the end of September, beginning of October, instead of May, June, and will the weather affect it? And they also now have lights at Roland Garros for the first time. So they are going to be night matches, and they have a roof. So there's a lot of different dynamics, some of which may mitigate some things that normally work in Nadal's favor. So at the Italian Open, they were talking about how with the weather, like, so one of the reasons Nadal dominates at, on clay is because of the spin he hits, he gets the ball to bounce very high, and when it's up around people's shoulders and eyeballs, it's hard for them to get a good return, but what they're seeing right. is um, the weather, he's not getting that high bounce anymore, so... right it's mitigated that benefit. And I mean, Schwartzman had never beat him in nine matchups, never beat him. And he beat him at the Italian Open in the semifinals. Hmm. So we shall see. And during the match, they were actually talking about um, how how Nadal is a very, um, lacks a lot of confidence in himself, which is fascinating. So to me, that's like a mental thing, clearly. Right. Maybe it's tied into all of his OCD stuff. Maybe he just has yeah. some like mental stuff where he's like extra hard on himself.
2: It's supposed to rain for the first day of the French Open.
0: Dang it, and they only have roof on one court. Those French need to get their act together. They really do need to get their act together. Come on, let's see one on Langland and Simone Mathieu. Yeah. Well, yeah, the rain on a first day of a of a... Major is probably not great because if a lot of those uh, matches get delayed, I mean, that can really mess with the rest of the tournament. Right. So we shall see. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've got it set up to record. Um, and, yeah. So I think I told you, MB, I have no predictions for 2020 French Open because it's 2020. But do you yeah.
2: have any predictions yourself? I got to see who plays well.
0: All right, so you're going to give it a little time to mature and develop?
2: Yes.
1: I mean, I obviously. I feel like Sitsi Pass may, may go the distance. I don't know about finals, but the way he's been playing so far in the clay these last couple of tournaments, he's been playing pretty well. So my thought is Sitsi Pass will go pretty far.
0: Well, remember, he got knocked out in the first round in the Italian Open, so oh, yeah, that was not a good why. result. Yeah,
1: because I was watching Hamburg, that's why. Yep.
0: Yeah, Hamburg, he made it to the finals, which is tomorrow, which means he won't be playing the first day of the French Open.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, I guess, to see. So we'll have some follow-up about that. But really... We all know what the most interesting thing this week is.
2: The presidential debates.
0: Correct. Correct. Do you have any updates for us there, MB? We know it's Tuesday, September 29. At 9 8, 8 p.m. At 9, 9 p.m. So late. Ugh.
2: I plan to record it so then I can fast forward for the commercials. If there are any. Uh,
0: yeah, I can't remember. That's a good point. That's a I good idea. Remember. What? I feel like there is... This presidential debate might not have any commercials. I feel like, because it's the format.
2: And my next question is, are they going to have an audience, or is it going to be virtual?
0: I don't think. Last I heard, I think there wasn't going to be an audience. And I I don't know. I thought that Trump and Biden were actually going to be on the stage together, and the moderator would be there, but there would be no audience in the place. But I have not, um, I've not kept up on that. So I guess I do have to make sure it's set up to record. It's just also bizarre. I mean, of course, you have Trump supporters thinking he's great, Trump, Trump detractors, and I'm only going to say I'm going to narrow my the focus of this comment to just speaking. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of Trump. People who don't support Trump think he has some mental things going on, and you can see it in his speech. I think you mentioned something, didn't you, Marissa? About or was it posture? You were sharing something. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you can tell by somebody's posture if they have like early onset Alzheimer's. I can't right, right, look. right. What was that?
1: Um, so a friend of mine posted something, and I'll I'll try and look it up right now. He posted it pretty recently, but okay, um, well. The idea of the the theory was that if somebody is like listing or or their posture is like kind of forward a little bit as mm-hmm. they stand or as they walk, that's like a uh, an, an indication that somebody has early onset Alzheimer's, but I don't think with him that's that would be true. My thought is he's just dumb I don't think he's got any memory issues he's just not very bright, and so I keep laughing over the whole thing with. Um, I think the Democrats are all over him right now for trying to talk about. Uh, he doesn't think he wasn't agreeing to, or he never said anything but a peaceful transition or transi- transition of
0: power. Well, he and said I'm we'll laughing. have to wait and see, right? Or we'll something have to like wait that. and see.
1: So he never said yes, and he never said no. However, I'm laughing because I my first first thing out of my mouth was. He doesn't even know what the words "peaceful transition of power" mean, so it's just like, why, why would he say anything to that? But then that also leads to another whole thing. My, um, I'd like to know how long it's going to be for us to count these uh, ballots, these mail-in ballots.
2: I get my absentee ballot today.
1: Yeah, it's, is it going to take two weeks? Is it going to take a month? And how long? It like, what's when do you call it? So, MB,
0: why aren't you voting in person?
2: Because I'm afraid of the long lines.
0: Well, you know, there's early voting, right? Yeah. My dad's
2: going to do early voting.
0: I will say for the primary, um, I early voted back in May. And that was a long line when I went and voted in the runoff election in July, which, as we know, many people don't show up to vote in runoff elections. There was no line. Jonathan and I walked in and out. No problem. Now, the only reason I ask is to Marissa's point. What I've read is if you're able to vote in person, you should vote in person because there are going to be too many mail-in ballots to count in a realistic time frame. And also, if you, you've got to be really careful, and be If you make one mistake on that ballot, your vote will get invalidated. Yep. So if you fill out one thing wrong, if you get an extra, if your ink, if your pen makes extra ink marks by accident, your vote may not get counted. They throw out mail-in votes all the time, they said, for stuff like that. Now you haven't voted before, so they can't compare your signature, but they'll also compare your signatures on things. And if they don't think it's really you, they'll toss it. So early voting in Georgia, I believe starts October 12th. I probably won't go the very first day, Um, I usually like to vote on election day personally, but I do think I will try to early vote in this election just in case. I don't trust November 3rd. That's my mantra. I want to secure my vote. So anyway, Uh, back to UMB though. Make sure somebody helps you as a first time voter, you know, filling in an absentee ballot make sure somebody helps you with it to make sure it's filled out 100 correct because it might be easy to make some mistakes when you've never done it before because we've seen people make mistakes who have done it before (laughs) right um all right just to circle back to our anticipated presidential debate of course biden haters slash detractors think you know he has some mental issues and thinks he's a dummy who can't speak and you know that like whatever he's senile he is only like four years older than trump which i think is hilarious that people think he's so much worse right right. they're both in their 70s
1: that's because Um, trump tries to make him out to seem like an old man but the reality is sometimes i think that with Biden in particular, he's certainly not stupid, and he's definitely, in my opinion, not old, but I think what happens is when you don't stick to the, when you try and talk off the cuff, sometimes you get tripped up, and that's the only thing, because I think he wants to make uh, an impression on people where he's, he's, he's um, how do I put this, he's trying to talk to the people as opposed to down to them. He's trying to talk with the people And so he's trying to keep his, his speeches and things he says down to earth. So when he talks off the cuff, which is what he's doing in, in doing so, he gets tripped up and that makes him look stupid, but he's, he's far from stupid.
0: He he knows how to, he, I mean, comparing him and Trump, I mean, there isn't really a noticeable difference, right? Like in there, I mean, Trump is meaner. Yeah. Right. He's, crasser, he's ruder. But in terms of their quality of speech, I don't think that you can say Biden's is less than Trump's. I mean, so, you know, it is what it is. They're both old white men. So if that's what this country keeps on insisting on electing, you know, 99% of the time, then this is what we get. Right. So, I've always said about the president, it's as much about the people with whom he or hopefully one day she will surround themselves as it is about them specifically. Right. Like anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent about how Trump draining the swamp literally just meant moving these people and repopulating the swamp with his people. But that's a whole, that's a whole separate um, conversation. Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin. <clears throat> <laughs> um, hey, um, nice. and
1: just to uh, get off the subject for one second, um, and just talk politics anyway, I saw a very interesting episode of Bill Maher last night. Do you guys watch him at all? I, I do not. not. Okay.
2: But um, do tell. you?
1: If you can watch the replay of his, of that particular episode, it's usually on Friday nights, I think at 10 or 11. I can't, I just happened to be awake and I was flipping through the channels and I forgot Bill Maher was on. So I turned it on. And I thought it was an incredibly interesting uh, conversation. So it was just to set you guys up for those of you who want to watch. Bill Maher was talking to two, um, two, uh, Black Americans, who one of them was a former state, was in the state legislation in South Carolina, and he's actually now a uh, political analyst for CNN, and then the other one was a writer, and I forgot what else he does, but they were two very different uh, Black American point of views.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And what I found fascinating was that Bill Maher was basically mediating the conversation and the debate. That's really all he was doing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The conversation got very, very good. And my thought was, this is the exact conversation that Black America should be having right now.
0: What was Um, the topic? What was the topic they were covering?
1: All different topics. So they were going from not only Trump, but they were talking about the current riots uh, taking place because of uh, Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. And uh, Black Lives Matter, Um, they were talking about one would say, you know, this is how it should be. It's interesting because they were getting to the point where they were coming to agreement, but they had very different views of why they were thinking there that way. And I just thought it was a a fascinating, fascinating conversation. One of the topics I thought was when Bill Maher said he grew up thinking that, um, I I can't remember correctly. I know he's very liberal, but his father was a judge, mm-hmm. so he's got a very interesting background and point of view on politics. And when he was growing up, he was taught to be colorblind. And the one male man said, "That is completely racist and ridiculous. I don't want anybody to think that they forget who you know who I am." And and Bill Marble said, "But is is." you really want me to perceive you and base my judgment of you on your color or your abilities. And it kind of tripped the guy up a little bit, but not really, because he's like, no, I want you to remember who I am and my culture and blah, blah, blah. And the other guy was like, yeah, but you have, you have, you shouldn't be basing it. We shouldn't be basing everything solely on our color. We should be talking about your abilities and what you can bring
0: to the table. You can do both. That's the part of it that's racist to assume that you can't do both, that I have to not see you as a black person, because if I do, then I won't focus on your accomplishments. Well, that's race. That is racist. It's like, okay, I'm a white person. So therefore nobody questions anything. They're not like, oh, here's her abilities and she's white. To be colorblind, I mean, I know this argument, right? To be colorblind. Oh, it was
1: a fair argument because it wasn't. Bill Maher was said to down. I'm not racist. I'm not saying that I don't. I don't want to uh, proceed. I don't want to acknowledge your culture and your background, but at the same time, I have to. You know, I do have to think about what you are capable of doing in your education and what you're going to bring to the table. Which led me to another interesting question. I just thought to myself, well, it's. I often feel like we're all Americans and yes, we do have subcultures, but if you're born here, you're, you're American first. And I don't think that's racist to think because I want people to understand I'm judging you, where we're all kind of equal in that sense. And, but not many people have gotten to that point yet where, where we all think we're Americans first. Because
0: that's not their reality. For minority right. people Absolutely. in this country, they Absolutely. don't feel they're treated as Americans. They feel I that would they're agree. treated as second class citizens. So my, my thinking on racism ha- is evolving. I'm reading the book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And well, I do firmly really believe people that go around feeling they need to say, I'm not racist actually are and just don't realize it um you know there are different types of racists there's the white supremacist violent racists and then there are the people who are racist simply because they're not anti-racist is how this new framework goes you think um okay so you know you don't support racist ideas or philosophies or groups but you also don't do anything to promote anti-racist policies. And if you're not promoting those ideas, so if you're not actively doing something to make systemic racism go away, then you are racist. Or at the very least, you're not anti-racist, which as the logic explains, if you're not anti-racist, then you're racist. So, but I think I've said before, I also think people have to get over their Kind of crybabiness about being called a racist it's like all right it's not about your hurt feelings or your you know whatever insecurity that you can't handle somebody calling you a racist like get over it and do better it's not i mean think about it in our lives i have how many times do we have somebody actually tell us we're racist to our face i don't know i mean well, okay, so we lost Marissa. Maybe she dropped off the podcast in protest. Well, in- well, well, okay, so resuming it, I think the question I asked when you dropped off was, you know, how many times, I don't think in my entire life, I have no recollection of anyone telling me to my face, I'm a racist. And there were times in my life, if somebody had said that to me, I would have been offended and I would have like absolutely denied it. And now I've just decided, you know, I need to put a little more thought and effort into it. And if somebody wants to call me a racist, I'm not going to get offended by it. I'll just do some critical examination as to why they thought that. Um, as i said i'm only about halfway through my book how to be an anti-racist by ibram x kendi so i'm trying to figure it all out you know with all my reading with all my reading i've got my you know white trash book that i read that was very informative (laughs) (laughs) i've also got another book going that i'm reading it's pretty intense actually it's pretty intense i will say it's very um Specialized. It's called "No One Is Illegal: Fighting Racism and State Violence on the U.S.-Mexico Border." It's an updated edition. It was originally published in uh, 20. Let's see, where's the original one? I guess it was originally published in 2018. That doesn't seem right. I think it was updated in 2018. I can't find the original copyright on it. But anyway, I'm making my way through that. Oh, first published in 2006, okay, so that's good. So it actually covers, you know, um, a lot of stuff that was done under the Bush administrations and earlier, and then it comes in and kind of gives a Trump update. So I've got that
2: going on it sounds like a lot of books yeah how do you do
1: that at one time i mean i
0: can i can do one book at a time something happened to my brain i used to be a person who could only read one book at a time and then back in 2010 my reading brain broke as i call it when i was having to study to take my third stupid bar exam I was already licensed in Nevada and in California. I needed to take the bar exam here in Georgia because they didn't have reciprocity. And that amount of studying, you know, for taking the bar exam uh, nine years after graduating law school and having to remember all those subjects that were no longer relevant oh, yeah. to me. So my reading brain broke and it actually took me several years to get it back. If you can believe it, there were several years where I maybe read only a couple books a year, if that yeah, when um, normally I would read fifty to a hundred books a year.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> I think I need to be a librarian, really. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I know just, you love the
0: library. I tell do us about, love the library. Tell us about your library. There, I feel like there were some library happenings. Tell us what your library life has been like in recent months. Not been, I, I've been going to the library of Alexander. <laughs> But didn't you say they were doing, so have you not? Because I think they're doing like curbside pickup now. Have you not tried that yet? No, because I think you can go in now.
1: You just have oh. to have
0: a mask. Do you have to make an appointment or?
1: Not that I know of. I mean, I see people walking in and out of there, but also they're voting too, so. Oh, I
0: didn't think early voting started till October 12th. Uh, what, what are they voting for?
1: I don't know. I I thought I saw, well, it might've been a while ago. I don't know what time of the year it is. I'm kind of. I
0: understand. I understand. You know me.
1: I'm I'm day to day,
0: man. I don't know what's going on. I'm probably going to have
2: somebody help me fill out my absentee ballot. So I don't make any mistakes.
0: That's right. That's right. It's always good to have a couple sets of eyes on things anyway. And then when you fill it out, make sure you make a copy of it so that you have a record. Yeah. I mean, you know, just for your own self, it's not like you could take it anywhere and be like, look, did you get this ballot? Did you count it? <laughs> just an update. The
1: libraries are still closed. You can do curbside.
0: Yeah, OK. I thought, but I, thought so. I saw
1: people walking in and out of there the other day, so I don't know what they were there for. They might have little, like, things going on, but yeah. Well, or, I mean,
0: there could, obviously, if they're doing curbside, Pickup. up, there have to be some people working in the library, pulling right. the books, checking them out, delivering them. So you could have just seen workers. I I mean, my gym is directly or well, diagonally across from the Alpharetta library. And so when I'm working out, I can see the library. And I agree. I I feel like I've seen people walking in right. and out of it. Not a lot, but. Right. So anywho, oh, yeah, lots Lots Side note: Why are you?
1: Why are you standing up and walking around? You're, you're. Are you trying to get steps in? I think you
0: know why I'm standing, uh, Marissa. you trying my, to be JoJo. My stupid watch. <laughs> my stupid watch. Wants me to stand. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure that it, you know, gives me this
1: credit. Oh my God! You're hilarious. Also, I'm a
0: little agitated, so it's easier to stand.
1: Oh, why are you so agitated over the the thing? uh, Yes, yes, over uh, the thing. Don't let that go. Dude, you need to, like, let that go.
0: I cannot. You have to because you you can't control it. But I should be able to, don't we agree? (laughs) Shouldn't I be in charge? I'm just saying. I do a good job. You, I, we, and we've all, we, we've had this
1: discussion. We know you would be excellent at it, but you're not. And so you don't have, you can let it go. It's okay. Cause you know what? The universe is going to be working the way it's going to work. And, and you got to let that go.
0: I don't Why know. Gonna be like that? <laughs> I, I feel like I need to put some energy out into the universe to try to move it. I feel like I've been. Disengaged, you know, for the past several years, just trying to power through, and now when we find ourselves on the precipice again, and the fact that Trump could possibly be reelected for four more years, or throw this country into the greatest constitutional crisis in its history, because he won't follow. Okay. All right. So that's that's spiraling, Marissa. I
1: just that's a. segue into what else I, I wanted to point out about that um, show, on uh, Bill Maher, last night. He brought up a couple of interesting points. And the one was he's like, I want everybody here to know how many times I've said on this show in the last four, three years or whatever, four years, that President Trump will not let he will not go peacefully. Mm-hmm. And when they went back, <laughs> they did a montage of how many times he said that. And it was like, I, it must have been 30 times. He's,
0: oh my he's God.
1: Over and over. No, he's like, he's not letting it go. He's not going to let this go. He's not going to let this go. He's not going to leave peacefully. He's
0: not leaving peacefully. <laughs> and I have a friend who's been saying this for almost as long. And so maybe she also watches Bill Maher. But um, hey. I, until recently, like literally within the last month, I have reassured her it's not true. It's not true. It'll be fine. I no longer think it's going to be fine. I
1: don't either. And what scares me even more is regardless, of, and he also made this point, which I've been, I, he must have read my brain because I've been thinking this. Regardless <laughs> he gets uh, elected, I feel like um, it's going to be uh, a lot of either, if, if Biden gets elected, it's going to be militias out there with their AR-15s. Mm-hmm
2: walking Uh around
1: protesting. And if it's Trump that gets elected, it's going to be, again, Antifa uh, and a lot of uh, more protests with people of color. So this is
0: what I have to say generally, and you guys can disagree with me or hate me for saying this, but I think Republicans are violent against people, which is worse than Democrats being violent against property not to detract from the illegality of property damage, you know, throwing things through windows, setting things on fire. But I am more afraid of Republican protests than I am of Democratic protests, meaning the supporters, just because of your point, Marissa, that those people are armed with assault rifles. And as we saw on video, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, those people don't care. They'll kill people.
1: Oh I, I, and, and to, to that point it's it's a little terrifying. I think it can go it could go either way.
0: I know people who do not own guns who are seriously considering getting guns now ahead of the 2020 election. That's it's how concerned they are about violent Republicans. what? Yeah.
1: It's been discussed in this house, and I'm like, no. no. well,
0: here's the thing. I don't think that anybody is going to come to our abodes, our three abodes, and attack us in our homes. I would agree. I don't think that is going to happen. Now, when we go out and about in our lives here in our suburban bubble, are we concerned? I think we have to be more concerned about the Republican gun owners in general. Like, Ah. if- seen any I haven't seen any militia
1: really not many if any just maybe one where these militias came out and they came out with their guns but I didn't see them shooting people down now I have seen instances of people who were insane and took out their gun and did something stupid Um,
0: well I'm just saying I don't know that we're gonna really see it here in our well, yeah, maybe, not yeah. Like, I'm not sure we need guns to protect our homes, right? And then when we're out in the world, what is a gun gonna do for us? Are we gonna get concealed carry permits and carry them with us in our cars, in our bags? Right. right. I mean, I, I,
1: yeah, no, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't think it'll come down to that.
0: I do have a purse, actually, that I got at an auction. That has like a gun pocket. Oh, there you go. That's not why I bought the, I bought the <laughs> uh, bit on the so Yeah, That's I surprising. Like, Did you find I, that uh, I, after the fact? Um, no, I don't know. Maybe. It was what the stuff I wanted came in. It had like pepper spray. Oh, okay. Um, and it had one of those flashlights that like you can use to like break glass. Right. And had a couple other things. It also had a um, self-defense class in it, but that kind of got screwed up by COVID. Um, oh. so, so yeah, but it's funny. I have this purse and it's not attractive. I'll show it to you. Since so it's, it's right here. It's just this blue blue purse, but um, wait, let's see. It looks this, so nice. This so here's the zipper, and this is my gun, this is my gun pocket. Oh, nice. I've, never actually, I've never actually looked in here. There's actually like Velcro, I guess, to like hold it. So maybe I could like shoot it from inside here and nobody would know. <laughs> so maybe I should start using this just to practice. It's called the Daphne, Conce- it's the Daphne Concealed Collection, Damsel in Defense, Covert Carry, one concealment pocket for both left and right hand use, concealed weapon holster. Okay, that's what that is. Adjustable and removable shoulder strap. Alright. I must have gotten rid of that. Yeah. But yep, yeah, but I can just Oh look, a little keychain here. A little damsel and defense keychain. Anyhow, yep, so I could just be like right here, put it on my arm, stick my hand in here through my holster.
2: <laughs>
0: Get you all. Oh god.
1: I'm very afraid. <laughs>
0: I'm very afraid. There are too many things wrong with that. That's how I imagine crazy gun owners think. That's my impression of them. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, I do not think all gun owners are crazy. No. I would agree. I just think there are too many crazy gun owners.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: Well, that seems like a good happy note to end the podcast oh. on, right? Sure. Now that everybody thinks we're crazy, <laughs> boom. Yeah. Huzzah! <laughs> so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on our social media accounts. On Twitter, that's at a wit podcast. On Facebook, you can find our A Walk in the Park Facebook page by searching at a wit podcast. And on Instagram, you can find us at a walk in the park podcast. We'd love to hear from you.